This year has us all wondering who we really are. I don't know about you, but in the last year, the last few months, I've seen the best in humanity and I've seen maybe the worst. We've seen situations because of COVID where we've seen the best. We've seen neighbors taking care of neighbors, people checking up on people. And even though we have to socially distance, we can see people going out of their way to make sure that everyone's okay. But at the same time, with all the unrest that we see happening in the world, we can also see the violent bad part of humanity. We can see humanity at its worst and how it can tear us apart. Because of the season that we're in, we're all just wondering who we really are on the inside. So for the next few days, I wanna take some time with you through these Grace Talks video to be able to talk about who we are. And what I wanna do is show you the kind of neighbor that God wants us to be. And if you're not a Christian, I think that what we could all agree with is that this world would be a better place if all of us could be the kind of neighbor that Jesus told us to be. And if you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, what, what I know is that the art of neighboring, the ability to be a neighbor, is something that we continually work on. So to get this series started, we're actually going to spend today and tomorrow looking at the same section. We're going to look at one of the most well-known parables or stories that Jesus taught about how to be a neighbor. And for today, all I want to do is look at the question that somebody asked Jesus that got him to start talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. The reason Jesus told that story is because one day an expert in the law came up to Jesus and tried to test him. Now, an expert in the law is someone who is very familiar with all of the Jewish laws and ceremonies. There were hundreds of them, and these people helped people to apply what that law meant for their life. But one day he came up to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus did what he most often did. He turned the question back on to that person. He said, well, you tell me. You're the expert in the law. What does the law say? And so then the man gave a good answer. He said, the law says two things, love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus said, that's right. Do this and you will live. But then what the expert in the law says next is what triggers Jesus to go into the story of the Good Samaritan and talk about in such clear words, what it means to be a good neighbor. But I want to pause here because the way he asks this question tells us a lot, and it's going to be our motivation to continue through this series for how to be a neighbor. This comes from Luke chapter 10. Um, after Jesus told them, do this and live, this is how the man replied. It says this, verse 29, the expert in the law wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He understood the importance of loving your neighbor, yet he, he wanted to justify himself because he in his own heart acknowledged that he couldn't love everyone in the world the way that he loved himself. He had to limit it. He was basically asking Jesus for the minimal obligation, like what's the speed limit? What's the lowest bar? How much do I need to go with this? Who is my neighbor? Maybe part of this was because of a, an honest question. As a teacher of the law, he understood that the laws that God gave to the Israelites were for the Israelites. But now they lived in a place that was occupied by Rome and there were other nationalities mixed in. And maybe his question was honest, like, who is my neighbor? Are we talking about just Jews or who is it? But his question tells us a lot. 
He needed to justify himself. And so he had to lower the bar for who his neighbor was. That word justify, it means that you're good, you're fine, you've, you've, you're within the requirements of the law. And this man wanted to justify himself, and that's why he asked the question, who is my neighbor? But let me tell you something. You right now are justified before God. That word justified simply means you stand right with God. You ask the question, where is the bar that I need to meet in order to be right with God? God would say, there is no bar to meet because it's already been met. You're good with God. And this is all because of what Jesus did. He, he entered this world to be our neighbor, to, to love us even though we didn't love him. His job was to enter into this world and be the perfect neighbor for this entire world. And the, the, the epitome of that was when he died on a cross to take away the sins of this world. Jesus was the perfect neighbor, not for a few, but for all. And what that means for you is simply this. The invitation to be a neighbor is simply that, an invitation. There is no obligation for you to go out and do certain things to, to be right with God or to please God. But being a good neighbor is an invitation. And as we go through this week, some of it is going to be challenging as we talk about ways to learn about people and understand them and love them and show mercy to them. And it's not going to be easy, but it is so worth it. Because what the world needs now are people that reflect the love that Jesus showed to them. So as we get into the parable tomorrow, we're going to look at what this Samaritan did that made him a good neighbor. But before we get into that, I want to make sure our hearts are in the right place. Being a neighbor is not an obligation. It's an invitation to reflect what God did for you. Sometimes when I'm preaching or teaching, there are certain words in the Bible that I want to explain because they're not words that we normally use in today's language. And one of the words that I struggle to define is actually what we would say is a common word that we use in Christian words, but the word is simply grace. And the reason I struggled to define it is because there really is no one word or one concept that, that describes it. But what we're going to see in today as we dig into the parable of the Good Samaritan is that Jesus doesn't give a definition for grace, but he gives an incredible illustration of it. And maybe if you grew up in church, the definition of grace that you had is grace is undeserved love or unconditional love. And that is absolutely true. That is an element of grace. But I want to show you today that there's actually another element to it that this story beautifully illustrates. And again, from last week, I want to make sure that we recognize that being a neighbor that God wants us to be is not about obligation. It's an invitation. And I want to show you today how it's an invitation to show the grace that God showed to you. Now, before we dive into this story, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, well, the historical context that as Jesus told this story, which was completely made up, it's fictional, it's, it, it was just designed to, to uh, teach a truth. The way Jesus told this story was to some people who understood some cultural things in their days. Uh, they understood what a priest was and what a Levite was. And those were people who worked in the temple and they had to go through some very specific processes to make sure they re remained what they would call ceremonially clean. And if they were to come into contact with a dead body, that would make them unable to work in the temple. Again, this is something that's a little bit weird for us, but it was just common culture and common sense to them back 
then. Um, another thing to, to keep in mind is that as Jesus tells this story, he's speaking to a bunch of Jewish people. And for them, there was this very sharp divide between Jews and Samaritans. As it turns out, they were both descendants of Abraham, but the Samaritans had a different idea of how and where to worship God. And for the Jews, that was something that was repulsive. So in that day, that was an example of separation, of people hating people. And that was the backdrop for him telling the story of the good Samaritan. So that said, we're going to dive into this story. And as it unfolds, Jesus is going to give an example of how grace is not only unconditional love, but it also shows an extra layer that you and I need to be aware of so that we can be the kind of neighbors that God wants us to be. Here's the story as Jesus told it. In Luke chapter 10, it says this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, the Samaritan took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And that's the story of the Good Samaritan. And there's a couple of elements I want to highlight here as we talk about grace and what it means to be a neighbor. First of all, there's that unconditional love. This Samaritan had no reason to extend love to this Jewish man who was beat up and left for dead. And yet, because his love was unconditional and unearned, he helped. But then there's another layer that I want to focus on and close with, and it's simply this. Everyone would have applauded for that Samaritan if he had just bandaged the man's wounds. Like, that was more than what was expected, and people would have thought highly of him. But then to go on and put this man on the donkey and take him to an inn was next level. People would have been totally amazed by that, and yet it still doesn't stop there. He goes on, and he then pays the innkeeper his due for that night, and then says, I will come back and pay any extra. And as you think about that, that gives us a good definition for what grace is. It's not just unconditional love, which that is the front part of it. It is also love without limit. That man in our context, the Samaritan, he basically put his credit card down in front of the innkeeper and said, this man is going to stay here until he gets better. And the innkeeper might be like, well, what if he orders lots of room service? What if he steals all the sheets? What if he steals the towels? The Samaritan is just like, charge it to me. I'll take care of it. That's unconditional love. And that is love without limit. And that's just a small picture of the love that Jesus showed to you. When he decided to be your savior, when he pursued that cross for you, he was putting down his life on the line. And he said to his father, Father, whatever debt they have with you, I'll cover it. And the day that maybe you first heard about God or the day that you were baptized, 
the day the Holy Spirit worked faith in your heart. That was love without condition and love without limit. That was the day Jesus said, everything I did for you is done. You're forgiven. And I will put my life down on the line. You're going to continue to sin throughout your life, but my grace has no limit. I will continue to love you no matter what. And that's the kind of love that your Savior showed to you. And he says to be the kind of neighbor he wants you to be simply means to reflect that to the people around you. So as you think about what that means for you, what does that mean to have grace, to show love without condition, but also to show love without limit? And maybe this week is a good week to pick one person that you can start demonstrating that kind of grace to. Because it's not about what you can do for them. It's simply about reflecting the grace that God showed to you. One thing I've been hearing a lot lately, both from friends around me and from people on TV and on the radio, is this simple phrase. I just don't get it. And by the end of today's video, I want to challenge you to think about the times that you might say that. Those five words, I just don't get it, are a sign that you need to be thinking about things maybe differently. Let me give you some quick examples. And these are kind of silly examples, and I'll let you kind of figure out how the more serious ones are going. But one example is simply to say, I just don't get how my neighbor doesn't keep his lawn more green right? <laughs> Some of us might be judging our neighbors in that way. Or another example, I just don't get how my neighbor keeps his lawn so green and why he spends so much time on it. There's lots of times in life we might throw that phrase out, I just don't get it. I just don't get how she spends so much money on clothes. I, d I just don't get how he spends so much money on cars. There's a lot of times we just throw that phrase out in, in a way to show frustration or complexities around you know, who people are and why they do what they do. And I wanna challenge you today to ask yourself the question, have you been saying, I just don't get it? Have you been pointing to neighbors, people in your life, people within your sphere of influence and thinking in your mind or even saying with your lips, I just don't get it? Because if you're saying those words or even if you're just thinking them, what that means is, there's something wrong in your mind. There's, there's a gap in knowledge. There's a gap in understanding that maybe you need to address. And this is something that we saw happen in Jesus' life too. There were lots of people who followed Jesus and pointed their fingers at him and said, we just don't get it how you do things like that. In fact, one of the occasions where this happened is when Jesus just brought in his disciple named Matthew, also called Levi. Matthew was a tax collector. And so as Jesus was having dinner with Matthew, he was also having dinner with a lot of tax collectors and other people that the religious people called sinners. So what happened is these uh, religious people, they swarmed around and they started to talk to Jesus' disciples. And basically what the Pharisees said, the religious people, they said, we just don't get it. How does your teacher associate and eat with people who are tax collectors and sinners? And it was in that moment that Jesus intervenes. He heard what was going on. He knew what was going on. And so he says this to them that speaks so much to us today. In moments where we find ourselves pointing the fingers at others and just saying, I just don't get it. That's when we need to think about these words that Jesus himself said. These words are from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus said, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Then he says this, go and learn what this means. 
I I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, he said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go learn what this means. He was talking to these religious people who were trying to teach the disciples a few things. He says, no, if you just don't get what I'm doing, that's because there's a gap in what you know. You need to go and learn. And mercy and sacrifice, two very simple things to understand. Sacrifice includes everything you might do for God or everything that you might change for him. And mercy is everything that you might do for the people around you. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what Jesus was telling them in that moment is that when maybe you find someone that you don't understand or you don't get. That's not your time to judge them. That's your cue to go and learn. Go and learn what is required of you. God requires, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. In those moments where you just don't get people, that doesn't mean that they should conform to the way you see things. They don't have to sacrifice. They don't have to change. But rather, as you come forward to a neighbor that you don't understand, that's your cue to show mercy. Show them the mercy. Go and learn what this means for you. And to close things off, I want to give you one practical tip. What does it mean to show mercy to someone? What does it mean to practice mercy? It simply means that you invest your love before trust is earned. Before someone has a chance to earn up a level of trust, you, by default, extend to them love and kindness. And in so doing, what you will be doing is building a path, maybe building a bridge that will allow you to learn what their life is like and to understand why they see things the way they do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And as you live out that mercy rule and extend love to people who have not yet earned your trust, what you'll find is that you become a reflector for the kind of love that Jesus showed to you. Well, about 14 years ago, my wife and I were expecting our first child, and we decided that it would be good for us to go to a one-day workshop designed for first-time parents so that we could learn how to take care of this human being that would soon be coming into our family. One of the things I learned at the workshop was something that didn't seem to make sense right away, but it's something that's, that is applicable for parents and for basically any relationship that you might have in life. Now, I had to pay good money to, to learn this principle, this idea, but I'm gonna give it to you guys for free. What they told us, which seemed so counterintuitive, was simply this, that as a parent, you need to take care of yourself first. In the moment, I was like, this doesn't make sense. To be a good parent means you put your child first, right? Well, no. Because if the parent is in a bad place, they'll be in no position to help their child. What I know about us is that as we're talking about being neighbors and what it means to be a good neighbor, it's important to pause and acknowledge the same is true of us. That if you're not in a good place, you're not going to be a good neighbor. So today for this video, I want to pause and acknowledge that we can just stop talking about the people around us for a moment. We can stop talking about the neighbors. And I just want to ask you, how are you doing? Are you in a good place or not? 
there's a lot of ways that we're being pushed into bad places right now, financially, relationally distanced, emotionally, mentally, physically. Now more than ever, Americans are in a position where we're just not in a good place and it's starting to take its toll. We see relationships that are in conflict and we're seeing all sorts of signs and indicators that we're not in a good place and we desperately need to be. And what I know is that if you're not in a good place right now, you're probably not going to be open about it. Right now, you're probably justifying why you are where you are. And I just want to let you know, I understand. It's understandable that you're in the place that you're at emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever it is. The season is hard for all of us, but maybe what we need to do today is just pause to make sure that we can find our way to a good place. Now, what I, I want to share is maybe not shattering for some of you, but I want to just put it this way. Jesus was a good neighbor. And do you know why? <laughs> he was a good neighbor because he was always in a good place. He was in a good place not because he had all this money that he could turn back to. He was in a good place not because he was popular or successful, but he was in a good place because of his relationship with his Father in heaven. In fact, the day before his death, as he was sitting with his disciples at the Passover meal, he told his disciples the one secret to being in a good place. It has nothing to do with your success or how much money you have. It has everything to do with where your heart is. This is the secret that Jesus told his disciples. In John chapter 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. One sentence, a simple secret, where Jesus said, the thing that kept me in a good place, in a place to show love for you, is that I knew I was loved by my Father. Jesus had this perfect love that his Father gave to him, a perfect love that filled every need, every desire, every want that he could possibly have. And as Jesus received that perfect love for his Father, it filled him up to the point where he could share that love with other people. And that same thing is true of you and of me too. There's lots of things that can get us in a bad place, but there's only one thing that can get us out of it. And that is to know that everything you need, every want, every desire, is something that your Father in heaven gives to you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I want to give you permission today to pause. Just think about the place that you're at. Maybe the place you're at is making you overflow with shame because you can't help people because you're in a bad place. Maybe it's making you overflow with guilt because you feel like people are looking down on you because of where you're at. Shame and guilt are horrible things to overflow with. But what I want to give you time for and space for is just to let you know that you can take all the time you need to be loved by God in His perfect way. Let his love flow into your heart to to fill you up so that all the shame and all the guilt, it gets pushed out of the way and instead you find his forgiveness and his kindness and his love for you. God doesn't ask you to pour yourself out and to empty yourself out so that the people around you like you. All he invites you to do is to overflow with the love he has filled you with. Well, throughout this week, we've been talking about what it means to be the kind of neighbor that God wants us to be. And today, as we finish up the series, I want to show you the goal, like the finish line. 
how you know if you're being the kind of neighbor that God wants you to be. First, I want to say that if you're not a Christian, if you've just been following along, there's been tons of practical biblical advice that you can put into practice and you're going to see some pretty cool results. But if you are a Christian, the end result really has nothing to do with you. It's, it's all about shining a spotlight on Jesus. Now, Christians, sure, if you're a good neighbor, you're going to see some favorable results from that. Chances are people will like you a little bit more. Chances are you'll have some more friends. Chances are some of your friends, neighbors, will be more willing to do a favor for you. Those are things that are nice to have along the way of being a good neighbor. But Jesus points to something different as the ultimate finish line. I'm going to read a section from Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus talks about what it means to be the kind of neighbor that he wants you to be. So this is from Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And throughout those things that Jesus said, it's pretty clear that the the blessing of being a good neighbor is people notice you. The question is what you do with that attention. And to close this series, I just want to make a really quick picture for you. I want you to envision that every relationship you have, whether it's with a neighbor or a coworker or someone else, every relationship is kind of like a bridge that leads into their life. You can communicate with them. They can share things with you. It's kind of like you're doing life together. You're connected in a way. Well, the thing that Jesus points to as the finish line, like the ultimate goal of every relationship, is that we build a bridge that is sturdy enough and strong enough that it will carry the good news of Jesus into their world. For some people, if you're a Christian, it might mean that you're connecting with people who don't know about God yet and the relationship you build with them, maybe someday it'll be sturdy enough that you can share the hope you have in Jesus. And the other thing is that if, even if you're a Christian, it's good to build bridges with other Christians so that you can share with one another the good news, both through repentance and forgiveness, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And what I know is that at the end of the day, when you create bridges into other people's lives that are strong enough to carry this good news into their world, it will be a blessing for them and a blessing for you. And when angels see what's going on, they rejoice over the amazing things that are happening in God's kingdom. People are hearing about God. Believers are being strengthened in their relationship with Him. And at the end of the day, being a neighbor, as we've said, it's not an obligation, but being a neighbor is simply an invitation to participate in the amazing kingdom work that God is doing in your world. And maybe today, maybe this week, the way that you're a neighbor for someone else will be the way that they see the light of God's love for them. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Did you know that the video you just saw and everything we do at Time of Grace is completely donor funded? Which is our way of saying we don't have a tree that grows money in the back of our office. And we don't get government funds and we're not connected to one specific church. And even though we get to do media ministry, we're not flush with cash. Instead, we rely on people just like you whose open hearts and generosity let us spread the message of Jesus to more and more people 
through so many platforms. So thank you so much for your support. All of you who have given and made this possible, we are grateful for you. And we really need all of you to step up, be generous, so that we can spread the message of God's grace to the ends of the earth. Thanks again, and have a great day. Hey, what's up everyone? Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. Uh, we certainly would love this message to reach more and more people. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing this podcast, it would bring it to more people's eyes and we pray this message into more people's hearts. Thanks for your support and we'll talk to you soon.